0: South Africa have won the Rugby World Cup three times. Over the years, we have seen some very special moments. But which ones are the very best of the best? In this video, I will count down the Top 10 Best Springbok Rugby World Cup Moments. Let's get started. Quick disclaimer. I'm not a big fan of the third, fourth place playoff guys, so even though the Springboks have played in two of those matches and won them both to secure the bronze medal, I'm not going to include any of the performances from those matches in my countdown, just so you know. Okay, number 10. Chester Williams' full try effort against Western Samoa in the 1995 Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. The 1995 tournament was South Africa's first. After years of isolation, we have been welcomed back into the international community. Chester Williams' place in the team was of political and social significance. He was the only non-white player in the team. And also from a marketing perspective, he was very important because his face was on billboards and in magazines leading up to the beginning of the tournament. However, Chester suffered a hamstring injury in a World Cup warm-up match, ironically as it turns out, against Western Samoa in Johannesburg. Peter Hendricks was called up to replace Chester, and we all know that Peter scored a memorable try against Australia in the opening match of the World Cup, but he then got suspended after the third pool match against Canada, and that opened the way for Chester to come back into the squad, having recovered from his hamstring injury. Williams certainly made up for lost time in the quarterfinal against Western Samoa, as he ran in a Springbok record at the time, four tries, as we won the match 42-14. Number 9. Brian banner equals the World Cup try scoring record as South Africa dismantled Argentina in the 2007 semi-finals. After New Zealand and Australia were eliminated in the quarter-finals of the 07 World Cup, South Africa's path to victory had clearly opened up. But in the semi-final, we would come up against Argentina, who, if we're honest with ourselves, were probably the second best team at that tournament. They had upset the host nation France in the opening game. They'd also beaten Ireland in the pool stage to ensure that they topped their pool the first time that that had ever happened. They then saw off Scotland, and next up was a meeting against South Africa. But no problem for the Springboks, Brian Abana helping himself to two tries on the night as the box ran home 37-13 winners fairly comfortably at the Stade de France. It's also worth mentioning that those two Brian Abana tries meant that he had eight for the tournament, equaling Jonah Lomu's record from the 1999 World Cup. That record still stands today. Number 8. The Springboks avenge their Japan loss in the 2019 Rugby World Cup quarter-final. When a Springbok rugby fan hears Japan, there are all kinds of nightmares that resurface. The two teams played each other in their opening pool game at the 2015 Rugby World Cup. South Africa were expected to win and fairly comfortably too. I think it's fair to say that we should have won by at least 20 points according to pre-match expectations, maybe even more. But the Japanese, to their credit, put up one of the great performances to score possibly the greatest upset in the history of sport and they defeated the Springboks in Brighton. Now going into the 2019 quarter-final, the Japanese had played some stellar rugby in the pool stage. They had pulled off shock wins against Ireland and Scotland, the first time that they had ever beaten those two teams, and they topped their pool, the first time that they had ever done that. And it's fair to say that the whole world, except South Africa of course, was willing Japan on to beat the Springboks in that quarter-final, so there was immense pressure on the box going into that match. However, the Springboks did what the Springboks do best. We kept it tight and we took them to a dark place physically. And eventually that physical pressure overwhelmed the Japanese. It had taken its toll and the box won 26-3. Number 7. Yanni De Beer kicks five drop goals against England in the 1999 quarterfinal. Now, the Springboks had not had a great 1999. We actually struggled in the Tri-Nations, including a 28-nil annihilation in Dunedin, and yes, there were some injuries, and there was also controversy before the tournament when coach Nick Mallet dropped captain Gary Teichman from the squad. In the pool stage in Scotland, we did very well to defeat the co-hosts in our opening game, but then we labored it to victories over Uruguay and Spain. Next up was a quarterfinal against England, a team that to be sure was on the rise. But maybe something that helped us was because of the format of the tournament, England had to play a playoff match on the Tuesday before that quarterfinal, whereas the Springboks had a full week's rest between their last pool game and the playoffs. Not to worry though, the Springboks were in excellent form that day at the Stade de France as Yanni Beer helped himself to a world record five drop goals. What is even more incredible is that all five of those drop goals actually came in the second half. It stunned the English. They had no answer, and it lives long in the memory of every Springbok fan.
1: And I remember the call was Bach till this day, and I'll, I'll tell you why I remember that, that well. So, my recollection is um, so we went to Nick, and uh, it wasn't my idea, but I was taking it to Nick as the forward coach and being close to Brendan. And Nick was quite keen and said, okay, let's have a go. But what I can remember, which is my side of the story, and there's so many sides. So I remember, like I said, I was running up and down a touch, and Nick was in my ear. And I know four of the five times, and I think the players also took, uh, you know, they also had the decision from their side. But I remember four of those five drop goals, I actually from, from the side gave the call, bock, go for the drop. Um, and again, it was unbelievable just to stand there on the touch touch, being so close to the play and just see these drop goals going over one by one. Uh, that is amazing. So, uh, I think probably at the end is Brendan and, and, and Yanni that came up with the idea, but uh, it worked.
0: Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen, and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link, and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program, toll-free helpline, 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Number six, overcoming a formidable France and atrocious weather conditions in Durban in the 1995 Rugby World Cup semi-final. There was some serious peril ahead of that semi-final against the French. You may remember that Peter Hendricks and James Dalton had been cited after the pool match against Canada. That meant that the Springboks had a black mark on their disciplinary record. The French did not. The weather conditions that day in Durban, a city that traditionally receives summer rains, not winter rains, were atrocious to say the least. It looked as if there were lakes on the pitch, and referee Derek Bevan seriously considered calling the match off. Had that happened, France would have progressed to the final because they had a superior disciplinary record to the Springboks. Thankfully the match went ahead, and anyone who watched it will never forget it. It was almost as if the boys were playing in a river, and who can forget the courage shown by Andre Hubert, who had a broken hand and who was playing with a protective glove. The box outlasted the French that day, 1915. And yes, the French were on our try line, but our brick wall defence kept them out. And we were on our way to the final. It may or may not have been as a result of SA Rugby Football Union president Louis Leite putting pressure on Derek Bevan, the referee that day. But do we really care?
2: No, I've never played in conditions like that, Pete. Um, you know, I must be honest. <laughs> Played a few rugby games in my life, but I don't think I ever. I, I think I touched the ball once in that game, and, uh, and that was awful. I mean, we it was just basically a ball of kicking the ball around and chasing. Um, that was a mess. Um, just happy we got through that one. But I remember prior to the game, we all. I mean, I think they tried to start that game three times, and then the last time we went back into the change, and they said, um, "You know, if we if we don't come out this time, then they're going to cancel the game." and Obviously, before the sightings we had with James and Peter Hendricks against Canada, we were going to uh, fall out, and you know um, France would go through to the final. So we were quite eager to get onto the field as well, and I think the French were pretty happy to stay in the change rooms. And I think that's probably what made the difference. We wanted to play, and they didn't. They didn't want to. Um, but like I said, like you said, you know, it was horrendous conditions. Use, I remember you know, the people wiping the water off the field you know but I think the referee uh, they said at one stage they were worried about people getting or, or drowning or, or nonsense like that underneath the rugs or anything but uh, you yeah, know but thank God we, 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 did, we did start the game and it was tough you know it could have gone any, any way anyway. um, I think but the, the upper hand was on our side and we managed to pull it through
0: number five annihilating defending champions England 36-0 in the pool stage at the 2007 Rugby World Cup As mentioned, the English were the defending champions coming into that World Cup, even though they weren't as strong as they were four years previously. The Springboks had beaten them at Twickenham a year prior and also put 50 points past, admittedly, an England B team earlier that year. But at the World Cup, things are different and anything can happen. There was serious pressure on both the Springboks and the English going into that match at the Stade de France. And as I say that, I realize that this is the third time that that venue has come up in this list. Clearly, a good place for the Box to play. And on that night in 2007, the Springboks put up arguably the greatest performance we've ever seen from them. Fourier de Pria was perfect. I mean, he was a great player anyway, but on that night, he was simply sublime. And the Springboks destroyed the English 36 0. We've never seen anything like it, in my opinion. And it's fair to say that England were lucky to get nil.
3: It's was quite a, um, like a nervous, nerve wracking build up. I think that's my, my first start, like my second start in a, in a World Cup. And um, yeah, so it's obviously it was defending champions. Um, not from England, 2003. So obviously, take talk about it. Um, they're not just, oh, uh, they're still the defending champions. And um, and we the whole build up was that uh, from. 2004, when Jake took over, that this is going to be our match that's going, to, that's going to tell us if we're going to win the World Cup or not. And I think everybody bought into it. And I think we, like you said, I think it was close to a perfect performance we could have done as a, as a Springbok team.
0: Number four, sweeping past the defending champions Australia in the opening match of the 1995 Rugby World Cup. The Springboks were the underdogs coming into that game, no doubt about it. The Wallabies had won nine in a row and hadn't lost a rugby match for more than a year. They were also the defending champions and the favourites. But could the box pull off the upset? You bet we could. After a nervous 20 minutes with Australia in the lead, the Springboks eventually settled and shortly before halftime, Peter Hendricks rounded the great Australian wing, David Campese to score our first try of the tournament. We were in the lead at the break. And then in the second half, the confidence really began to show as the Springboks took control of the match. Joel Stransky scoring a memorable try and we ultimately won the match 27-18. We were up and running and even more importantly, perhaps it meant that we were almost certain to avoid england the five nations champions in the quarterfinals
3: you know we on we are first time really on the international stage our first world cup ever playing at newlands jam packed. i've never seen so many painted faces and south african flags flying and to add to it we planned the incumbent world champions in australia and I'm up against another childhood hero in in Phil Kearns. So nobody really gave us a chance, but we gave ourselves a phenomenal chance, knowing that we, the new kids on the block, we were just younger, we were fitter, albeit that they were icons uh, of the game, but I think they were just a little bit overcooked in terms of, of age. It was their time to get knocked over.
0: Number three beating England 15-6 to win the 2007 Rugby World Cup. Of course, the three World Cup victories are going to take the top three positions, and again, the Stade de France is the venue for this great Springbok victory. Coming into the match, our coach Jake White was at pains to point out that England were the favourites. His argument went that they were the defending champions, and thus, with that experience, that would make them the favourites for this match. But let's be honest, guys, as mentioned earlier in this video, we beat them at Twickenham the year before, we put 50 points past them twice earlier in the year against, admittedly, a beat team, and of course in the pool stage, we thrashed them 36-0. There was no ways that anybody could argue with any credibility that England were the favourites going into that match. That doesn't mean that coach Jake White doesn't have credibility, but we all know that mind games are played in the media in the build-up two matches. And while this performance was not as dominating as the 36-0 victory, it certainly was an overpowering one. The Springboks did everything they had to do to ensure that they won the match. It was one of those performances that you would describe as making sure that you win. Doesn't matter what the score is, doesn't matter about the performance, just make sure that you win. And we did exactly that. 15-6 and we were the Rugby World Champions for the second time.
3: The, the one thing I can tell you, I think the whole 23 team can say, was we were just relieved. I think it was just pressure. It's like a big fritz just falling off your off your back. I'm just relieved that we did the job because the whole build-up is that amount. Like you said, we were favourites and everything. So it was just more of my first reaction was relief. And obviously when you go into the change room and you, you see actually the trophy, all the trophy, and you can see the joy uh, in everybody's face because we sacrificed a lot. For that, um, for that trophy and, uh, and the first time you see Jake smile, and, uh, that's a good thing, huh?
0: <laughs> hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box and there will be great benefits for members. Number two, dominating England to win the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Now it's funny that the Stade de France pops up so many times on this list, but equally interesting is that England appear on this list quite a few times as well. So we clearly like playing against England at the Rugby World Cup at the Stade de France, but in this case the match was played in Japan at Yokohama. Now what made this match so special, I think, is that coming into it we were the underdogs, unlike in 2007. England had destroyed the All Blacks in the semi-final, putting up possibly the best performance of the entire tournament. They were also a really strong side at that moment. Eddie Jones had built a formidable team. Now that is not to say that South Africa were not a good team themselves, but remember that less than 18 months earlier, Coach Russi Rasmus arrived with the team in dire straits. We had suffered some heavy defeats in the two years before Russi arrived. And yes, we were resurgent, but I don't think anybody could argue that we were the favourites going into that final against England. We had forced our way into the final, it must be said. But speaking of force, after three or four minutes, there was a scrum. Kyle Sinclair had left the field injured, unfortunately for England, and Dan Cole had come on. And in that scrum, Beast. Tendime Tawarira scrummed Cole mercilessly into the ground and won us a scrum penalty. And in that moment I knew that we were going to win. And win we did, royally. It was a superb performance from the Springboks, a typical South African victory. We overpowered them up front and moved our way into an 18-12 victory with about 20 or so minutes to go. And that's when the magic really happened. Makazole Mapimpi scoring the first try for South Africa in a Rugby World Cup final, followed a few minutes later by a beautiful Cheslin Colby try where he slalomed his way past the English defence, including one Owen Farrell. You may have heard of him. It was a memorable performance and a memorable victory, and who can ever forget that special day in Yokohama when the Springboks won the Rugby World Cup for the third time. 32-12 was the final score, and yes, I cried. Number one, beating the All Blacks to win the Rugby World Cup in 1995. I suppose you knew at the beginning of the video that this was going to be the number one moment, but let's elaborate. Coming into the final, we were the underdogs. Not 80-20, but I think maybe 55-45, even 60-40. New Zealand were the best attacking team at the tournament. They had steamrolled their opponents up until that moment. In fact, so much so that their 45-29 semi-final victory over England was the closest margin between them and their opponents in any match at the tournament up until that moment. There was also the Jonah Lomu factor. No one had ever seen anything like it. This man, who looked more like a flank, was on the left wing and literally running over opponents on his way to the try line. By contrast, South Africa had the best defense in the tournament. We conceded two tries against Australia in our opening match, also two against Western Samoa in the quarterfinal. But except for that, only one other try had been conceded and there was a clean sheet along the way as well so it was going to be an irresistible force meeting an immovable object. Who would prevail? It was a really tight contest. But, to be sure, South Africa were the better team on the day. The All Blacks only broke through a first-time tackle twice, and that was in the opening 20 minutes. Jonah Lomu received the ball eight times, and on each occasion he was promptly tackled by a Springbok or a combination of Springboks. We also scored a try, courtesy of Ruben Clear, although it was ruled out by referee Ed Morrison. Now, let me explain a little bit about that. Had that try stood, and it had been converted by Joel Stransky, we would have probably won the match 16-9, and I feel that that would have been a fair reflection. However, if the try had been awarded, and we won inside the 80 minutes, we would have been robbed of extra time and that magical drop goal moment from Joel Stransky. A Rugby World Cup iconic moment. So with that in mind, I think it's okay that it went to extra time and we got to experience the Joel Stransky drop goal. And who could ever forget Nelson Mandela coming out in the number 6 Francois Pinard jersey before the time to greet the players. And then when he handed over the Webb Ellis Cup to Francois, he threw his fists into the air, pumping the air as Francois hoisted that trophy into the air and we were the Rugby World Champions for the first time. And yes, I cried. You know, when you come to
4: finals, I think your defence is one of your best um, defensive mechanisms. And as I said earlier, you know, our defence team, our defence was excellent and, and, and we knew we, we had um, Jonah Lama covered. And I think what helped us is that we played as a team. I think where the All Blacks were played around Jonah Loma all the time, and we knew that we live in a Jonah Loma that'll put them on a bit of back foot. And I think they were a bit, when it did happen, I think they were a bit um, put out of their guard. They they were not easy and comfortable. They had to play a bit on their back foot, and I think that was a big disruption to them. Yeah, so we had a confidence in ourselves that, you know, we've come so far, we've worked so hard. And also in front of your home ground, right, and Alice Park has always been a good good for us, and yeah, so we had that confidence that we can pull it off. I know we push it up to extra time, you know. So it was, <laughs> I think we spectator wise must have been that next um, extra time, and it must have been must been the hardest thing to watch. But you know, as I said earlier on, you know, I think we were very very blessed, and yeah, we managed to pull off a great win for South Africa.
0: Now you can let me know what you think of this list in the comment section down below. Did I miss any? Are some of them perhaps a little bit higher up than you would have them or maybe lower down than you would have them? Let me know. Tell me what you think. See you next time.